Actually, let's, let's get the back row teenagers to move to the front like they should be. That'll be a blessing. And um, if we could have the men move forward, that'll be, that'll be a help this morning. And um, thank you, guys. Appreciate that. And uh, this morning, men, just wanted to talk to you a little bit, um, I think, about something that we already... We already know and understand. You know, if you look around this room, uh, in the differences that we all have, we understand that we all are in different stages of, of life. We're all in different, um, uh, different stages of our spiritual maturity. And while some, um, as we look around, uh, are, are in those different stages, you understand that God has formed us, right? So we're meant to be together. We're, we're, we've been given each other to be able to journey this life and to be able to, as the Bible says, um, iron sharpen iron. And that's a blessing. That's, that's part of God's design. And actually, the, uh, we miss out and, and we miss the opportunity uh, when we don't take advantage of that, when we don't have a mindfulness about that. And this morning, I want to get you to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we'll, we'll get there in a little bit, I think many of you will know that, that verse, 2 Timothy chapter 2. We'll go verses 1 and 2. But um, we're going to turn to different, um, different portions of Scripture this morning. And I just want to give you a, a truth here that I pray will be helpful to you. Um, but uh, someone once said this, the most significant contribution that we can uh, make in this life is the passing on of our faith to the next generation. And whilst we can look at generation from, a, from an age point of view where we look at someone's, uh, someone's, um, someone's age as them belonging to a generation, we understand that in the Christian life it doesn't always work that way, right? Sometimes men are saved at a later age. And whilst they have some sort of experience um, from a worldly perspective, they're, they're really just babes in Christ. They're really just, just newborn in the, to the kingdom of God, adopted into the family, and, and we know that we need to nurture them uh, as we ought. And so there's this dynamic in the Christian life that, that we pass on and we continue to, to do so. But there's a principle, I think, in the Bible that, that we need to understand, and that we're, we're, meant to, we're meant to pass on our faith, men. And whether we do that through our witness we certainly ought to do that through just our fellowship and our, and our discipleship of one another. It's, it's in our fellowship together. And, and there's a purpose to it. And, and God will, will, will bear this out through His Word as we study it this morning. Um, but what I'm trying to say is that the faith is not meant to just be possessed in you. It's meant to be passed on. Right? You're not meant to just keep it and then, you know... Um, you have the, this glorious thing of the gospel. It's not just meant to be kept with you. It's meant to be passed on uh, through your witness, but certainly through your testimony, through how, how you interact. And, and we're just going to simply demonstrate that this morning just, just by getting the idea of generations because that's, uh, in a sense, that's really what you're doing. Regardless of, of the age groups, really, that are represented in this room, we're meant to pass it on and we're meant to do something with it and I want to see and show you um, a synergy that's meant to happen in regard to that. All right, so um, let's go to a couple of, 
of places. Look at Numbers chapter 1. Look at Numbers chapter 1. Numbers chapter 1. And you know, as men, we ought to be concerned about the, the work of the Lord. Right? Right, men, this morning, are we awake? Um, as men, we ought to be concerned about the work of the Lord. Or we ought to be concerned about the fact that we, have, uh, we are called stewards of that. We are to look after that in our generation and then also be able then to, to pass that on. You know, our, our faith isn't just a one-generation faith. It's a multiple-generation faith. And, and that's why there's a strength in a church when there's, there's, there's people in different, uh, different levels of spiritual maturity. You, you're understanding that it's being passed on. You're understanding that people are being birthed into the kingdom of God, into His family, and therefore we're, we're growing them uh, to, to do likewise. And, and there's a pattern here in, um, in, through, the, through the, uh, the pages of Scripture that God brings out. Look at Numbers 1 and look at verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, in the tabernacle of the congregation on the first day of the second month, in the second year after they were come out of the land of Egypt, saying, and notice what he says, Take ye the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel after their families by the house of their fathers with the number of their names. And then he counts every male by their pulse. So he's saying there, take a census of the people and I want you to specifically count all the men. And there's just a great significance, men, in, in what God has, uh, has, has placed in your life, your, your manhood. God has placed a special responsibility over us. And, and regardless of our age this morning, I want to uh, bring out to you that we have a greater responsibility as men uh, to be able to lead our homes, to be able to be keepers of the faith. And, and then he says there, from 20 years old and upward, all that are able to go forth to war in Israel, thou and Aaron shall number them by their families. And with you there shall be a man of every tribe, every one head of the house of his fathers. And he's saying those who are 20 years old and upward, all that are able to go forth to war in Israel. So what he's counting here in these, uh, group of, this group of men are those that are able to go to war. All right, we just sung that song, Onward Christian Soldiers, right? And, and God has called us to be part of an army. We are called to be soldiers in our day and as, as, uh, as believers. But here we see a, a, a comparison here of those who are going to warfare. They're 20, year old, 20 years old and above. And I often joke with our, and, and really it's not a joke, it's half meant, but I often tell our, our, um, our young people when they turn 20, you know, God's going to hold you accountable now. There's just something about the age of 20. You study it in the Word of God that God makes special mention, and He's saying you're able to go to warfare now. You're responsible now. And, and some of you, you're, you're nearly there. You're a year away. You're two years away. Some of you further. Some of you way past that. But at some point, God's going to look at you and He's going to say, you know what, you're, you're responsible now. You, you, have this, uh, you're, you have responsibility now. You've come to a, pl a place of maturity. And, you know, in our society today, there's just a dumbing down of men. And we want to extend adolescence and give them a free pass for much longer but when God looks at it biblically, and again, when we're reading through the Old Testament, what we're seeing is the mind of God on some things, right? So we're seeing God's mind on, on an age of which He looks at and He says, you're responsible 
you ought to go to war now. And he's saying that age is 20, and he's, and he's giving commandment to Moses here to number them, number the men who are 20 years old and above, those who are able to go to warfare. Look at, look at, um, look at chapter 4 now. So that's the, the warfare. Look at chapter 4. And notice verses 1 to 4. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, Take the sum of the sons of Kohath from among the sons of Levi and their families by the house of their fathers. Notice what he says here. From 30 years old and upward, even unto 50 years old, all that enter into the host to do the work in the tabernacle of the congregation, this shall be the service of the sons of Kohath in the tabernacle of the congregation about the most holy things. And he goes to describe some of their responsibilities. These were the sons of Aaron, uh, the sons of Levi, and therefore they were in the priestly lineage. And so those who were to serve in the tabernacle and later on in the temple, they were to be 30 years old and upward. So he's saying there that those who are 30 years old, and, and we understand there that there was, a, there was to be a training time. In other passages, we see that they, they were to be trained up from 20 years and above to do the work in the temple. This is God's work here in the Old Testament. And so again, this is, this is speaking about the work of God, not, not only in warfare, but in the spiritual matters in the temple. They were to, they were to start from the certain age upward. And he was saying they'd number them. He's saying, he's saying uh, uh, put, put an emphasis on them, highlight that, and understand that there's, there's meant to be this um, this responsibility that they now ha- have from this age and above. And, you know, there's a, there's a training time. There's a time where they were being taught the ropes, so to speak. They were being taught how to, how to do this and that. But we understand that all of those different um, stages of life, they, they all have a different um, ability to exert, uh, maybe influence or exert, um, exert effort. And uh, God isn't... Um, uh, God is mindful of that. He understands that we, we age. He understands that we go through a, a process of growing. Right? So look at what he says. Look at Leviticus chapter 27. And again, it's interesting to think about this. And this is, again, uh, thinking through what God is saying is, is really thinking about his mind on things. And look at Leviticus chapter 27. And notice verses 1 to 8. And notice what he says there. And Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When a man shall make a singular vow, the person shall be for the Lord by thy estimation. So he's saying, I want you to value them this way. And thy estimation shall be of the male, from twenty years old even unto sixty years old, even thy estimation shall be fifty shekels of silver after the shekel of the sanctuary. So he's put a price. He's put a price on someone who's made a vow, and he's saying there the estimation for those men, male, from 20 years old even unto 60 years old, even thy estimation shall be 50 shekels of silver after the shekel of the sanctuary. Look at in comparison, verse 4, and if it be a female of the same age, then thy estimation shall be 30 shekels. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting that God would put a value and he's saying that for the female, they're going to be not 50, 30 shekels. You know what God's saying? There's, there's not as, as great a burden that should be 
that should be expected of those that are in that age group but are female. And then he says, and if, if it be from a month old even unto five years old, then thy estimation shall be of the male five shekels. And for the female estimation be, shall be three shekels of silver. And if it be from 60 years old and above, if it be a male, then thy estimation shall be 15 shekels. And for the female, 10 shekels. And so he goes on and he's saying here different age brackets are able to exert different levels of effort. Are able to, to just by virtue of, um, of your, your physical makeup, you're just not able to do as, as much as you used to be able to do. And isn't that the truth? Okay, as much as we like to take care of ourselves, the, re- the reality is our bodies deteriorate. Right? Is anyone else in denial about that? Right? We have one witness over here. Some of us, we, like, uh, we don't like to admit it, but it's true. And that's just the natural, the natural progression of things because we live in this sin-cursed world. And we in our flesh, we're just, we're like the grass that withers, the Bible says. And, and so what he's saying there, we have a limited time to be able to put all of our energies into something. And then the expectation is, even in God's mind, you won't do so much. You're, you're just not going to be able to uh, pull the kind of same weight as a 20-something-year-old, even a 30-something-year-old. And so time's sort of rolling through, and, and what do we do then about the work of God? What do we do then about those things that we know? Those things that we were able to do, and, and we've found the, the, uh, a good way to do it. What do we do with all of that? And so he, he answers that. Look at Numbers chapter 8. Look at Numbers chapter 8. So just by, by example here, Numbers chapter 8. And again, we're thinking about this. This is the, the mind of God. He's trying to show us something here, Numbers chapter 8. Look at verses 23 to 26. So he's, he's instructing much about the, the work of the, the temple, the, the, the work of God in the Old Testament. And he's saying in verse 23, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, This is it that belongeth unto the Levites. Okay, from twenty and five years old and upward, they shall go in to wait upon the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. So earlier on, we read about in Numbers chapter 4, those who were 30 years old and, and, and to 50, they were to go and do the service of the, the work. But he's saying those who are 25 and above are to wait upon the service of the tabernacle. So he's saying those who are to go to war, they're 20 and above. Then 25 and above, they're to wait. So there's some sort of window of a, apprenticeship there, window of learning and then he goes to say, those who are 25, up to 50 years, they are to go in and do the, the, the service of the uh, congregation. Then 30 and above, they are to do the service. They are to do the main work of the temple, of the, of the, the work of God. And then notice verse 25, and, and you might be thinking, so what happens after that? And from the age of 50 years, they shall cease waiting upon the service thereof and shall serve no more. But notice here, but shall minister with their brethren in the tabernacle of the congregation to keep the charge and shall do no service. Thus shalt thou do unto the Levites touching their charge. And what it was, was they, they began to then, after their, their uh, period of service here, up to the 50 years of age mark, 
they were now to minister with their brethren in the tabernacle. And what that's simply saying is they were going to come alongside those who were younger in the faith, younger in their service, and they were to teach them how to serve. They were to get alongside those who were younger, who had just come through, maybe they were 20 to 25, and then even those who were 25 to 30, and they were to come alongside those of that generation so that the work of God can be perpetually, uh, can be perpetuated to the next generation. And there's a pattern there for us. There's a pattern of teaching and learning, teaching and learning, teaching and learning. There's a pattern there that we're meant to just take, take note of today because the reality is this. Um, the work of God isn't meant to, meant to be just a one-generational work. It's meant to continue on. But guess what, men? It's our responsibility then to see a pattern and then follow that pattern. We're meant to be, have a mindfulness and a mindset of passing it on, of recognizing our season of where we're at, and we're meant to pass it on. We're meant to work towards serving well so that we can teach well. Uh, look at, look at what, what Paul then says. Look at 2 Timothy. Here's our main text. And all of that just to introduce a thought. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. And these are familiar, but, but with all of what I just said in mind now, look what the Bible says. And, and this is Paul. Remember who wrote the book of 2 Timothy? is the Paul, right? So, thou therefore my son. And Paul calls Timothy his son over and over again. He says, thou therefore my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And, and so I want you to recognize here that there's a progression. That there was something that Paul gave that was to be passed on. And, and here he's saying and he's commanding his son in the faith. Uh, if you ever read through the book of First Chronicles, you see that there was a lot of begetting. And, and it's the same, same thought here as Paul, who wasn't his biological father, but he was a father in, uh, from a spiritual point of view. Someone who, who invested in Timothy like, like, a, like he would in his own son. And he was, he was giving Timothy something, and now he's saying to Timothy, he's saying, commit it also to faithful men. He's saying, pass it on. He's saying, don't keep it, don't just, don't just be mindful of the fact that I taught you some things. It's time you teach also. And really, that's, that's the picture here. And I want to illustrate it this way. And so we're going to see is some, what we'll just call generations. Right, we're going to have generation one, and here we're going to see a couple. 
So here we, we're introduced to Paul and Timothy. Oh, I, was, I thought you were volunteering. All right. Well, let, let's, let's have you can be Timothy, Brother EJ. And um, see, Brother George, you can, you, can be, uh, you can be Paul for my illustration here. We, we see that there's a Paul and Timothy relationship. Okay, generation one, generation two. And, and Paul's saying to, to Timothy, the things that thou hast heard of me. He, he's saying, I've taught you some things. And, and, and here's where it starts. Okay, it starts with generation one. Having a relationship and reaching generation two. Right, it starts there. And so some of you, uh, some of you men, you have your own sons biologically, and, and this, this should apply to you from that vantage point as well. But you may not, but you've, maybe you've reached a certain level of maturity in the faith, and there's some things you can pass on. There's some things you can teach now. There's something by, by virtue of your walk with God, by virtue of your experience in serving God, that you're now meant to pass on to generation two. And, and by the way, eventually generation two will become generation one. Is that correct? Eventually, just as, as time progresses and in, in, God's, in God's progression of things, one generation passes away and then another generation comes. But, but for now, in our illustrations, we see Paul... And we see Timothy. Paul has, has taught some things to Timothy. Paul at some point reached out to Timothy. And, and we'll look at that later on in the month as we think about uh, different partnerships. But it, it took Paul reaching out to Timothy to start this process. Okay, and, and I want you to note here though that the mature, the mature takes the lead. It's not just a casual, like, oh, if it happens, it happens. The mature took the lead. Paul took the lead. Paul had it in his mind that he was going to teach Timothy some things. Paul had it in his mind that he was going to invest in the next generation of believers. And it happened to be Timothy. And, and Paul, amongst others, he says, amongst many witnesses, he reached out and he invested in Timothy. And, and they recognized then the importance of the message and of the faith, but he also recognized the potential in the man. He, he recognized that there was, it was to be passed on. And, and what I'm saying, this is God's plan. God's plan and God's purpose is, is as mature believers, is that, in the, that we reproduce ourselves in the lives of those whom He allows us to win, and those whom He allows us to birth. And we could look at this not from just an age point of view, but, but Paul could reach just another person. Maybe here generation one reaches someone, they're, they're out soul winning. Maybe there was a, a guest in the church and they led them to the Lord. And, and now we have a, a situation here where there's a Paul and Timothy, and they could be the same age. Generation two could even be older. But now you have responsibility 
now to then nurture and to teach some things to the one that you've just led, the one that you've just won to the Lord. Um, Timothy, uh, Paul calls Timothy his own son in the faith. And, and what I'm saying, it was always, it's always a marker of maturity that one can reproduce themselves. You know, I think the reason why uh, oftentimes in churches there's a, there's a derailing of this process is those who are in generation one, isn't, they're not as mature as they think they are. Boy, they can say things. Boy, they have a bluster. But the marker of those who are mature is their ability to reproduce themselves. It's the ability to pass something on. And in the church, in this dynamic where there's different levels of generation and maturity, generation one, those of you who've grown and and you know some things about the Lord and about His Word and and how it is to serve, you're, you're meant to pass something on. But it takes the mature leading that. Don't complain if generation two doesn't come to you if you've never made the effort to go to them. Don't don't judge and go, oh, look at at the next generation, look at them, when you've not made the effort to teach some things to the next generation. And and we see this here in, in Paul and Timothy's life. But it's always a mark of maturity that one can reproduce themselves. But then... Notice here, it continues with generation two growing in their relationship with generation one. And he says in verse, uh, verse two, thou hast, the things that thou hast heard of me. And uh, the same commit thou uh, to, to faithful men. And, and those who are younger, the, the Timothy's generation two phase, here's what I'm saying. It needs, to, it needs to come to this. You have to have a humility then to learn and grow. You know the, what, the, what the, the tendency is of the younger is they just want to hang out with the younger. And when, when the older, more mature men come to them, sometimes there's not that humility to listen, to learn and grow. And so there's, there needs to be that. And, and what I'm saying is there needs to be this relationship happen and the younger needs to be willing to learn. You need to be willing to learn. Hey, listen, if you've if you just been saved recently, there needs to be something in you, and, and the Bible says this, that you desire the sincere milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. But if someone reaches out to you to try to teach you some things about the Word of God, about the things of life, then don't reject that. Listen well. Don't, don't just sit there and don't just don't make faces. Don't have a prideful countenance. Actually listen, learn, and grow. That's your responsibility. And and the younger needs to be willing to learn. In Leviticus chapter 19, and again, all about the, just that picture that we're speaking about, that that, uh, passing on in the the work of God, says, thou shalt rise up before the hoary head. You know what that is? It's it's the, the hair that's sort of thinning and whitening. All right? And I want to I want to add there sometimes thinning, more than whitening. All right, but it says thou shalt rise up before the hoary head, and he says honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. Notice how those two are connected. 
says there, honor the old man, but fear thy God. I am the Lord. You know, part of someone who fears God is, though, is, a, is a healthy respect and honoring of those who are older. Um, it's not just about, you know, hanging out. and It's, it's about respecting that. And in Proverbs 16.31, the hoary head is a crown of glory. But then look at the, the, the addendum. It is, if it be found in the way of righteousness. So here's your, your out, young people. Uh, you've got to look at men who have the hoary head, but who walk in the way of righteousness. And there's a challenge, those of you who have a hoary head, do you walk in the way of righteousness? Maybe in the estimation of those who are following through, they don't see a way of righteousness in your life. And that, that actually counts you out from this process. Don't huff and puff about being respected if you're not walking in the way of righteousness. If you're unfaithful yourself, uh, you may have a hoary head, but you're not mature in the faith. You, you, may, you may seem to be that generation, but really, from a spiritual point of view, you're not. But, but those of you in generation two, notice this, you're meant to be willing to learn uh, but here's what I'm saying. This doesn't mean that the, the younger have nothing to teach. And here's why. They do because they're commanded. The same commit thou. And so generation one, you should also be willing to learn from generation two. That's a relationship. Hey, hey men who are older, listen. Can I, can I just encourage you? We, we appreciate you. We, we love you in the faith. We love the fact that you've endured and continued. But listen, don't, don't, don't ever fool yourself into thinking you know everything. We know that. We know that we, we don't know everything, but we also know you don't know everything. So, so don't, don't assume. Learn as well. Have a communication. Have a, have a respect for each other. Don't demand. Don't just push. Listen, listen too. You've not arrived. None of us ever will. And so it continues though with a relationship. It's not a competition. It's not about which generation's better. No, no, it's not a competition. It's meant to be complementary. It's meant to be that. And so it, it continues with that, but then it multiplies here with generation two following a pattern set by generation one. And then it, here's where it results. It results in generation three. Do you see that there in Scripture? Do you see that, men? It says, he says, the same commit thou to faithful men. And so then we see generation three come about. But it only comes about when generation one reaches out to generation two. There's a relationship and a growing together. And then he's able to, through, through the course of that to mature. And then now he reproduces himself. So Daniel, we want to sit here. You can be generation three. All right, so, so now we have generation three. But, but notice there's, a, there's starting to be an addition and a multiplication. 
There's starting to be now a process of passing on. And generation three comes along, and when the next generation does what they're supposed to, generation two, they're, they're, they're learning and growing together with generation one. This relationship is developing. Then we see generation three happens, and he's saying, commit thou to faithful men. And guess what? The same expectation is of generation three. He's saying, commit thou to faithful men. And listen, just as we go down the line, it doesn't mean that the quality diminishes, right? It's still the same faithfulness that generation one's meant to show, as well as generation two is meant to be filtered down and given that same, that, that same thought of faithful men. And so generation three then comes about if this relationship happens, but then notice there also, it doesn't stop there. Because really, lastly, it's amplified when generation one, ensuring generation two and generation three is able to teach also. And here's what I'm saying. Sometimes we look at, we look at the, the, the process and we think, okay, it stops there. But actually, guess what? There's generation four. You know, our job, generation one and two, our job isn't done until the next guy, three, three deep, third in line, is able to teach others also. And, and so here's what happens. When the generations work together, it's not just one that's one, it's another that's one. There's actually four, and so we see a fourth one. Johnny. And, and listen, the, the whole thought of, of training and investing, and, and this is a few years down the, down the track now. Hey, listen, some of you, many of you, you're generation one. But listen, your job's not done. Because we still need to work on this generation so that they may be able to teach others also. But listen, it doesn't happen if firstly this doesn't happen. It won't happen if his faithfulness doesn't cause him to mature and produce others. But then our job's not done because we're meant to teach him to teach others also. And, and listen, there, there's some implications here. Here's what I'm saying firstly. Relationship. Relationship is a catalyst for passing on of the faith. You've got to have a relationship. You've got to get to know each other. You need to communicate and not assume. Not just assume that, that one's just not for you. That they just always seem to be on your back. That they don't, they're not so willing to listen. You know why, why sometimes? We assume it should happen when we don't, we don't put the relationship in. We don't talk, man. We don't, we don't talk about the things that are real. We're, we're, we're more likely to bicker because sometimes there's a generational gap that can be bridged if we just speak, if we just talk, if we just communicate, if we just understand where the, 
the, the, the perspective of the other is. And there's meant to be an investment to and fro. But relationship is the catalyst for passing on of the faith. But then, secondly, cooperation then is crucial if we are to fulfill this pattern. We're meant to cooperate. We're meant to note. We're meant to, we're meant to be mindful. Listen, if all you do uh, during the times that we gather is to sit by yourself and to sit with your, your, your circle of friends and to sit just there and, and not notice those who are coming into the church, not notice those who are coming up in the church, not notice those that, that God is, is bringing right here to this place, and we're not cooperating, then we're not fulfilling the plan of God. We're not being a church, we're being a social club. But men, that's not what we're about, are we? Are we? We're not here to just socialize. We're not here to get our fill of our friends for the week. Listen, we're here to be instructed in and to practice those things that we learn. And so men, it's not not about just one generation. It's not about just you. We're supposed to commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And here's the last thing. There's no success without a successor. You know, the, the, the command here was this, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And so if we don't help generation three, get to the teach others also, we've failed. We've failed. There's no success without a successor. And men, listen, we can apply this in our family. Uh, we're, meant to, we're meant to pass on something. We can apply this in our ministries. Some of you who head up ministries, you've done it for a long time. Uh, We can apply it to our deacons. We we can apply it to whatever area of responsibility that you have. And I certainly ought to be applying it to myself. Who am I I reproducing? Uh, Who am I, by the the grace and help of Christ, planting and, and growing Christ in another's heart? Who am I doing that to? Or am I just happy to turn up? Am I just happy to sit there? Or should we be, we be having more conversations? Should, should, there be, should there be a process where you're, you're winning people and you're maturing them for the faith and then they're able to win people and mature in the faith and they're able to teach others also? That's what needs to happen in the church. That's what needs to happen in the, this group of men here. We're not to, meant to just sit there and, and just sort of, we're meant to grow. We're meant to mature. And we're, we're meant to mature enough that we can reproduce ourselves. And then this process gets to kick off. And then we see that they, the, the, those faithful men will be able to teach others also. So here's what I'm saying. If... if Generation one just works on his own. He can only reach one generation. But if generation one decides to work with the next, he'll reach four. 
he'll reach for. And, and I hope that we have the mindset. And, and, you know, we're all different. We all have our different uh, personalities. Sometimes we grate against each other. But, you know, the, the spiritual man, the mature man puts that aside so that he can pass on and perpetuate the work of God. Because it's not about us. It's about Christ and His glory. It's about the faith. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, dear God, for the opportunity that we have this morning. And Lord, I, I pray that, that uh, the truth of your word and the, the pattern and the process of that, Lord, is, was, was taught clearly, that you would help us, dear God, then to then apply it in our, in our everyday lives as we come to a time of assembly and gathering today. Lord, I pray that we just take a chance a little bit. And Lord, be obedient about the things of, of, of your word. Lord, you've commanded us to commit thou also to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, as a, as a church to be, Lord, a teaching church, a, a church where these multiple generations of men, there's a vibrancy and a reality between them. And I pray, dear God, that, Lord, we would just uh, take, the, take the opportunity each and every time, uh, Lord, we, we have it to be able to invest, to be able, Lord, in your, in your power and your might, uh, Lord, just, just pass on and continue to perpetuate your work. And, and Father, we, we live in a day where so many churches are, are, are closing down. Uh, Lord, there's so many churches in our land where we visit, there's no young people, uh, there's no, there's no, there's no uh, winning, there's no growing. And Lord, we, we don't want that in our church. Lord, we, we want there to be a health. We want there to be a vibrancy. We want there to be a vitality about your work. And Lord, it takes us having the mindset that we must pass it on. So I pray that you'd help, Lord, in, in the different stages and the different generations represented here. But I pray that we'd be men that way. And Lord, I pray that you bless the rest of our day for your glory, for your honor. Pray, Lord, for those who are seeking and, and, uh, and Lord, they're lost and they need a Savior, that you would just uh, be lifted up during our service and that they would see you and they would need you, Lord God. And I pray that you'd please just be glorified and please bless our, our time of fellowship now in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name.